Hi, I'm Craig Lance. I'm Will Davison. I'm Mark Winterbottom. I'm Greg Murphy. We're the Forex Angels, and you're listening to the VA Insiders. It's your weekly dose of V8 news on the V8 Insiders. Now here's your host, Craig Revell. This week, there was just too much to put into one show. Here's the extra with the round table, Greg Murphy, and a whole bunch more. So as the lights go out, on another edition of the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. You've watched the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 supercar coverage. Out now. Well, it's Gas and Go time now. Gas and Go brought to you by the V8X magazine with the homeboys on the cover. That's right. It's a black Kelly Racing cover and it's on stands now. Question number one to Luke West is uh, Crookshake saying he's going to stay with Ford, but uh, how long? Tim Edwards said at the top of the show that, uh, or said to me in an interview at Sandown, you normally make a two-year commitment when you start buying your gear. So does this mean year two is the last for Crookshank and Ford? No, I don't think so. Remember, we've got a new set of rules coming up. The stated aim for the introduction of the car of the future is 2012. So I don't think anyone's going to, anyone that's successful at the moment is going to do too much more swapping, particularly the likes of the Ford teams with a glut of uh, good FG Falcons on the market. So Crookshank staying where he is for uh, until the new rules. Andrew? Uh, I think he'll stay there even after the new rules. I, what I think you'll see is a, uh, a stronger relationship in an engineering sense coming on between Cruikshank and Dick Johnson. Uh, my gut feel would be that Cruikshank will start using Dick, Dick Johnson engines uh, once the current deal with Roland Dane is, uh, is quashed, killed or expires or whatever, the, whatever is going to happen on that front. So I think he'll stay there. I don't think it makes any sense for him to move. I mean, why would you? Um, you're not going to go to Holden and get money if you pull Cruikshank, so you might as well stay where you are. It's interesting that the number one car will not be at the Enduros this year. Should V8 Supercars step in and make sure the number one car is on the track, Andrew? No. I don't believe in the number one banner on a car anyway. You've either, you either got one of two philosophies on your car numbers. You either allocate people their number based on last year's championship or you let them run whatever they want. So whether number one's there or not, I don't think it matters. I mean, we didn't cry when Peter Brock ran 05 at Bathurst, so you know, why worry if uh, Wind Cup doesn't have it? And uh, Luke? Yeah, I agree entirely. I was going to raise the example of Dick Johnson racing when they won Bathurst. They were entitled to run the number one the next year, and they stick, stuck with 17, so I don't think anyone really cares. Who is the all-dead boy of V8 supercar racing, Luke? It's Russell Ingle, and uh, Exhibit A, Your Honour, is the punting off of Mike Emery at Queensland Raceway, what, 10 years ago, 9 years ago, something like that, and other various incidents over the year, but uh, he's reformed these days, isn't he? Sure, I was going to suggest it was Luke West, but we'll steer clear of that one. Uh, no, I think you, you couldn't go past Russell Ingle. I mean, he's the bad boy, isn't he? And uh, um, Closely followed by Paul Morris, probably, but 
you know, Ingle's just done enough things in this world to prove that uh, that uh, he's a bad boy. And, uh, yeah, I don't think you'll see too much reform. I mean, I think he's, he's reined himself back a little bit, but every so often you just see the glimpse in his eyes. You see it, the glint, because he shines out of the helmet in the middle of the dark and bang, the next thing you know, someone's off the track in front of him. So, yep, he's my man. Will the two plus four help draw the crowd away from Melbourne's football finals frenzy, Andrew? Um, I don't see why, why why that would create any extra attraction. Um, I mean, I personally, I think it's great. I'm going to enjoy watching the superbikes down there. Um, I think the extra 33 people who come down to watch the superbikes run with the V8 supercars when it's not a part of a championship, I mean, it's the same thing we are used to argue about the V8s going to Indy and the V8s going to the Grand Prix, you know. Um, I don't think it'll make much difference to the crowd at all. Um, what really matters is who's going to be playing on the, on the Sunday. You know, if it's uh, Collingwood versus Geelong, then uh, don't expect a big crowd. Andrew? Uh, Sorry, Luke? No, I think it's not so much the footy finals that's the number one uh, deterrent for fans that don't go. I think it's the fantastic TV coverage over two days. uh, Why would you leave your lounge room if you get wall-to-wall, was it three, four, five hours of coverage on the Seven Network for free? Why go to the race meetings at all? That's uh, the issue for me. I think V8 supercars are making a rod for their own back by their having fantastic TV coverage. Mm. And the other part to that is that um, for those who have never actually been to Phillip Island, um, which you know, it truly is one of the great circuits in the world, no doubt at all. It's a great place to go for motor racing, but do you really want to sit in a three or four hour traffic jam to come home? Well, it's not really a problem for us because we're still there filing stories when the crowd's leaving. So I guess that's one thing. And it is, you've got to go there. Like, as negative a spin as we've put on it, it's, you've got to go see V8 supercars at Phillip Island for the speeds alone. You do great great sensation of the speeds down there. Mm. Not down the world. I think if you're a V8 supercar racing fan, there are certain things in this world you must do. You must do Bathurst, you must do Clipsal, and you have to do Phillip Island, you know. To watch those cars coming through that last turn onto the straight is just staggering. Um, and, you know, a few of the other at Siberia um, coming over the top of Lukey, I mean, they're just great things to watch. And, you know, if, you, if you've never been there, you have to do it. And if you don't do it, then you're not a V8 supercar fan. Mm. Well, guys, finally, the final question in Gas and Go is who's going to win at the paperclip? Luke West. Oh, look, I look at the form book and I say Garth Tander. Andrew Clark? Mark Winterbottom. It's going to be a very interesting weekend and I've got a feeling it might be Triple H just trying to uh, get over the media storm that... uh, beset their team in Sandown, which probably took them off their game a fraction, and I expect them to bounce back once again. Which one? Oh, come on. It's, a, it's going to be Jamie Winkup because Craig is just uh, having a hard time dealing with uh, the change he didn't know about. And if you could see my little inverted commas there, you'd know what I was saying. Don't go away. We have Greg Murphy up after the break. Hi, I'm Rick Kelly from Jack Daniels Racing, and you're listening to the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing 
V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers. V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Big week for you, Greg Murphy, securing probably one of the most successful drivers still available in V8 Supercars to race with you at the Enduros. Yeah, listen, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it was me securing him, but um, the, the team's, team's done that, and Mark, um, Mark knows a few guys in our operation, and, and I suppose combined with the fact that uh, you know I've been gone right up there as well, with he's, um, he's seen that as a good opportunity to try and get another another trophy in the cabinet, so no, we're, we're wrapped about it. Last year you finished second, but this year you haven't been able to build onto that. How are you turning it round heading into the Enduros? No, you're right. We we haven't um, been able to get uh, or carry the the speed that we we showed the, the likes of Bathurst last year, and that's certainly been frustrating. We've had shown some good speed this year too at times, which um, hasn't translated through to consistency either, which again is very frustrating. So um, we we are we're working away, obviously, like everyone else is at the moment, to, to still try and carry it, carry that on and find that speed. We tested on Monday and had a had a reasonably good day there with found a couple of things and Mark was um, was there to drive the car as well which was uh, very useful. His inputs obviously, um, you know, he's very technical and and uh, and that amount of experience that he's got all of his inputs um, are very helpful. So, you know, we're just working away, carrying on and and, um, and so we found find a few found a few things on Monday and hopefully that is going to help us improve. So we're just going to get that consistency going and it's been very hard to find. Are you and Mike, uh, are you and Mark liking the same things in your car? Well, we're probably liking and disliking the same things. Um, you know, he was um, he's very very handy as I said the other day, and um, you know the fit he gave was um, on board with what I've been feeling with the car as well. So we were we had um, some good synergy there, which is obviously important that we're feeling and liking and disliking the same thing. So we, we you know, we definitely got a good direction. It's nice to have someone else come on, come and drive the car and, and uh, confirm the things that, um, you know, that, that I've been saying. And uh, so it definitely, you know, gives us a big focus on the directions and the things we need to focus on to improve the car overall. All in all, you're obviously uh, fairly confident that you can find that form that you had at the Enduros last year. And... Uh, also, with Jason getting Mark Nofsky, another very good journeyman. Yeah, I think we got a couple of uh, very strong cars going going in the Enduros. You know, Nofsky is um, is very uh, um, credentialed as well, and and extremely consistent. Yeah, he can get in the car and, and just repeat lap after lap after lap, and and we know his feedback's always really good. So, um, we're, instead of having sort of probably number one car and number two car, I think we've got two uh, pretty well number one cars, which. Which we may not have had in the past, but um, certainly this year, you know, Barg's leading leading uh, the, the number three car, and um, Mark and I in the number 51 car. We've got we've got two cars that are going to be definitely going for the outright. Well, we wish you all the best with uh, all the uh, excitement in the Juros, and of course, in uh, a week's time, you're heading off to uh, Queensland Raceway for the next round of the championship. Yeah, we are uh, up in. But uh, it switched, so um, it would be nice to, to get up there after the test we had and, and show some better speed and some consistency leading into the Enduros. But we'll have to wait and see what happens. So those guys that test up there usually have a, a pretty good stranglehold on that on that circuit. But, um, you know, anything's possible. Well, we wish you all the best for that. Cheers. Thanks, folks.
There is still plenty more to come on this V8 Insiders Extra. After the break, we hear from Gary Rogers. And then later, we find out what the Chief Operating Officer actually does. Hope you'll stay with us. The views expressed on V8 Insiders, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect those of the network, Thunder Media, sportradio.com.au or V8X Magazine. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Hi, I'm Craig Lance from Team Vodafone, and you're listening to V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Gary Rogers, we've seen an an interesting week in uh, motor racing here in Australia with the announcement that uh, Team Vodafone is going to join the Holden Holden, uh, ranks. Does that have a uh, lasting effect on Gary Rogers Motorsport, perhaps? Well, what's the definition of lasting? Is that a second, a minute, a week, or a year, or an eternity? Well, let's go for next season and uh, funding from uh, the manufacturer. Is uh, that something that's a concern to you? Well, A, we don't discuss our funding arrangements regardless of who they're with, but clearly we have an, an arrangement with Holden, and I don't see that that arrangement will change. I could be, you know, incorrect when I make that statement, but I don't think so. What do you think for the sport in its entirety, having more teams ending up in Holdens? Well, I think it'll find its own weight. You may find that the odd Holden fellow may defect and end up with a Ford and the thing will balance out. I mean, this has happened in the past. We've had an excess of Fords and an excess of Holdens. I think the main thing that we need to keep track or make sure happens, of course, is that the racing continues to grow and be as competitive as it is because clearly that's what attracts sponsors, motor manufacturers, punters and, and ourselves. Now, we're here at uh, Sandown Raceway in uh, a time when there's football on, weather's a bit iffy. Is this one of the problems with the calendar that we do have to go to some places where we have a lot of competition? Look, the fact of the matter is we're in 2009 and in the current era that we live in, you've got to be prepared for competition regardless of what it's from. And I think you'd have to say that if you look around at the crowd here today, bearing in mind, as you say, what else is on and the weather, and Sandown is renowned for bloody rain... You'd have to say that the promoters here would have to be pretty pleased. In fact, I just went for a walk around the the, uh, merchandising area and around the food stalls there and up into the grandstand. And just when you look up there, I was actually very surprised how many people are here. This year, you've got uh, Lee in his third year with you and um, Michael Michael. in his... (laughs) Robbo, Robbo. Yeah, of course. No, Michael in our house. He's a Robbo. And Robbo in his second year with you, or second season with second you. Second season, yeah. How have you seen the development of these two? They've, they've bonded so well together as friends. Um, it is paying off on the racetrack, I guess, but what's your impression of that? Oh, well, of course, they're friends because at this stage, Lee's probably won a few more than Michael, but wait till Michael wins a few more. They'll be deadly enemies. But um, look, competition is great. You've got to have it. But also, it's nice if you can have a little bit of friendly rivalry as well. And if everyone can understand, because we're not about Michael or about Lee, we're about the whole team. And for us to get success and, and to be able to keep our supporters and people that you know financially support us happy with what we do, we need to make sure the team as a whole operates well. 
in terms of Lee, I mean, he's done an amazing job in a short time, but if you look at Michael, he's really heading in the same direction. I mean, this is only his second year, and you could not be, you know, unhappy with him. He's bloody good. And plus, they're both chirpy little blokes, got a bit to say, and it makes it good for the workforce. And makes it good for fellas like us in the media where they've got a personality. Yeah, well, I think that's very important, isn't it? Because, you know, whether we like it or whether we don't, there are some fairly bland operators around. And the people today, when they read an article or watch on the tally or hang over the fence, they want someone who's got a bit of character and a bit of shit in them if need be, you know, because I think we can become too focused just purely on waffling off names we think we should waffle rather than encouraging the the punters out there. That's the whole end of it all, really. Coming into this season, when I saw the changes for the soft tyres, the no pit stops, there was two names that came to my mind as making big jumps this year. One was Brad Jones Racing, the other one was Gary Rogers Motorsport. I think you know why, because you guys understand pit stops and strategy from your days in Oscar and, and, and racing on the oval tracks. I think you've been more successful than Brad, and I said that to him this morning. Why and how can you go that next level? Well, the answer is Kevin Shaw, our Sheryl, obviously our team manager. I mean, he and I go back near enough to 20 years, and he was a little kid, I suppose, when we started at the Thunderdome and that type of racing activity. And... Um, but he's clever, he's a smart young bloke and he surrounds himself with good guys that can read the strategy and his, like those guys haven't done the racing that he has done but I think he's able to, to paint the picture of how the race can run regardless of what happens in conditions. I think he's a master at keeping the pit under control so you haven't got a whole lot of people running around like hairy chooks because you know it's alright when everything goes your way but when you have unscheduled pit stops or if the weather conditions change or if the driver's on the radio you know, and something's wrong, you've got to have a level-headed person who can organise his band of workers and carry out what needs to be done in a minimum of fuss. And, I mean, he, he's done that time and time again. And I, I, years and years and years ago, spent a bit of time with Charlie Lamb from Snitzers, and I remember going to a couple of 24-hour races with them, and I was only a, a boy, I suppose. And I watched the way they operated and did things, and we brought a, a lot of those ideas. And as you say, the, the old Thunderdome, everyone laughed about the Thunderdome, but there's a lot to be said about the tactics um, that, you know, that are carried out in those races. And today, particularly, with lap times as they are, you know, you can't afford... You know, you lose two or three seconds in the in the pit stop. You know, you need the best driver in the world to get that back over 10 or 15 or 20 laps, and a lot of them can't. So, you know, that has to be really, you know, systematically done all the time. What have you thought about the rule changes for the spicing? I... Well, look, really, I don't mind. So long as the rules are the same for everybody. Um, I've got to say, I was probably a little bit of a cynic at first. I wasn't too sure about the tyre. Um, pit stops, to me, wasn't an issue because we'd work around that. But I think the tyre has really brightened it up. It's made different changes. I think the fuel tank size... Oh, well, not the tank size because, thank God, you know, a bit of common sense prevailed there because, you know, every time changes like that arrive, it costs teams a fortune to make new fuel tanks and all that, but I think the amount of fuel that we've been able to carry is, look, I think from the visual point of view, particularly television, and I think the commentary team television-wise have done an outstanding job of portraying the message to the people uh, at home viewing, because what it's like going to the footy, you know, if you know a bit about the rules, you'll enjoy the game, but if you don't know a bit about the rules and you watch all these cars zooming out and no one knows who's first or last our audience will go away but I think the commentary team you know and the teams have really put on a good show so I'd have to say thumbs up to to all the changes 
when us journos get together and, and start talking about how we start uh, waffling fix shit like us drivers and team owners do same thing yep exactly same thing we um we come down to one denominator whilst you guys who own the teams are running the sport in the board it seems like big changes get shot down quite regularly and uh looking at what their supercars is going to have to do in the future to uh stay relevant to stay competitive in a marketplace like the sporting entertainment marketplace where oh, where and i'm wondering is this going to be a impediment where you have so many vested interests trying to go their way are you talking about the v8 supercar board making rules is that yeah. what you're referring to or even the approval of those rules or there's a number of times you talked about the tanks and they said they wanted to go to small tanks and a good number of you guys who own teams said, hey, no, 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 we're not changing tanks now. Mm. But there's, there's going to be a time where we have to make some, or we have to see some big changes. Cars, whether it be cars or uh, the way the cars are built and all these things are going to have to eventually come through, in my opinion. You might have a different opinion, of course. Oh, no, there will be change. Oh, I think what happens is uh, you've got to probably go back a little bit in time as to when the business was first structured. And it was a bit different then. It wasn't quite as professional, and therefore the board that was uh, appointed or the ongoing boards that were appointed, uh, there was work carried out. And because it didn't have the commercial volume of activity around it that it does today, the business went OK. Uh, the members uh, elect, elect their board members, and whether they're right or wrong, they have to live with that. I have certain views on all of that, and I have a lot of... Um, uh, sympathy with people who do need to make rules and regulations because look at one, it's like being the footy umpire. You're never going to please everybody and you're lucky if you can please half a dozen at times. But I think we could sharpen up in certain areas and as you say, as we move along down the road the, the, and everyone talks about cost, well the facts are it can't continue costing what it costs because people will not what happens is we put on a great show because we present cars that will do the distance um, and, and barring crashes, we don't have a lot of mechanical failure, but the time will come where people just can't afford to buy everything you need to, to do to, to keep doing that, and that then will be need to be addressed. I spoke to Barry Graham about two weeks ago now, yeah. and, of course, uh, you'd know Barry probably as well as I do, yeah. and uh, I said to him, if you were using the model that you use for the petty driving experience, which was the model he used to use when he was racing Grand Nationals, and... Scaife came up and said to you, what could you suggest? How much would a, would a roller, a tubular roller be? And he, he seems to think for $30,000 he could have a tubular roller with a flop body on it. Is that the sort of costing we need to get V8 supercars down to? I think they're the sort of people we need involved in the rules. I mean, the Barry Grahams of the world are very sensible. I mean, Barry Graham in particular and those guys, they've done it on the bones of their ass for years, but also produced cars that have raced well, been competitive and continued to do so. We don't want to do too much to take away the technic technical aspect of our cars, but I think, you know, I'm just trying to think of it, but no doubt Barry Graham, Max Dumsley, those sort of blokes, and, and also some of the old road racer type people that are about, have learned how you can build pretty good cars without a lot of money, but the problem in our business, you've had certain teams that have been probably 
able to uh, gather large amounts of money and build accordingly, which is, that's fine. That was the rules. That was great in the day, but that day's gone by. And I think now those sort of people could be a huge attribute in, in, you know, structuring our rules now. A lot of people within will hoo-ha that and say, well, you know, we don't need advice from Barry Graham or Max Dumsey or, you know, Billy, whoever. But the fact is they are highly skilled guys that could teach us quite a bit if I think we were prepared to listen. Interesting times ahead. Thanks very much for your time today. No problem. Some interesting thoughts from Gary Rogers. After the break, Shane Howard joins us to talk about his new role as Chief Operating Officer of the V8 Supercars. To ask a question of the V8 Insiders, just email them at v8insiders at sportradio.com.au. Stay tuned for more. Hi, it's Bugs here. Jason Bugwana from the Sprint Gas Racing Team, and you are listening to V8 Insiders. Take in the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Well, Shane Howard, firstly, congratulations on your new appointment as the Chief Operating Officer of V8 Supercars. It's, uh, well, I guess a, a huge step up in responsibility. Yeah, it is. Um, you know, I couldn't be happier. You know, um, uh, Tony uh, and, the, and the board um, uh, made that appointment at the last board meeting and, you know, um, I, I think it's great to, uh, you know, to be... You know, I've been with the company now seven years and, um, you know, to be uh, rewarded with that position, I, um, you know, I'm over the moon. Obviously, you had a big job to start with with Fair Supercar Events. How do you look after what you were working on with events and then take on the responsibility of the rest of the operations? Yeah, um, I've still got a very strong focus on events, um, you know, and particularly, uh, you know, this year with... Um, with obviously Townsville and two new street races and, and, and Sydney um, and, and this event at Sandown. So um, very, very strong focus on events. Um, so, but, but what we've done, um, you know, we've uh, appointed um, satellite management in Townsville, uh, Victoria and uh, in Sydney. And, um, you know, we um, head office is where the core group of the uh, events department um, works from to support those, those separate managers. And um, uh, Andrew Stone um, is you know, my 2IC. He's been with me for a long time now. And, um, you know, he's really, um, you know, stepping up and uh, is, you know, uh, great support for all those management managers and um, yeah, so I think we've got a very strong management structure that's coming together um, with you know surround yourself with great people and um, you know you'll put together good events and um, you know our um, the structure that we've got in place will en- enable us to deliver those quality events go- you know going forward. Now at Sandown, you've launched the. Uh Phillip Island, LNH Hanson, 2x4 uh, supports with the superbikes coming on board. And uh, when you're working on something for, you said 2003, so when you're working on something for six years, it must be a bit of a relief as much as excitement to get it finished. Yeah, uh, I mean, 
That's exactly right. From 2003, I remember sitting in uh, in one of the meeting rooms in the airport, and we met with uh, David White from Motorcycling Australia, Terry O'Neill, the then promoter of uh, superbikes, and the manufacturers. And um, uh, you know, I tabled the idea with them, and um, you know, it's taken up until now um, to get it across the line. They're not easy to get up, but um, you know. Everyone's got to have the will to make it happen. If you can do that, you can overcome you know, most things. So um, we've got one of the world's best circuits, you know, uh, the LNH 500, great format. We're in, we're in, um, you know, at that venue for the next ten years. We've got a great working relationship with uh, Fergus Cameron and uh, and the Foxes, particularly Andrew Fox, and uh, what they've done with that venue in. In you know, from when they've taken it over, it is absolutely one of the world's great uh, motor racing precincts. So, looking at that and our long-term future to put superbikes on on our card, I think is just going to add great value for the fans, and that's that's what our total focus is. You know, uh, uh, you know when we every decision we make should be how how's it going to affect the fan? Uh, is it going to affect give the fan better value for money? And uh, and that's that's what we're trying to do. Um, we we really want want to build um, the LNH 500 up up now that it's got a home, a permanent home, um, for the next 10 years as the precursor to Bathurst, and uh, we'll develop that. And we, you know we're we're not afraid to try things out, outside, look at things outside the square, um, to really. You know, give a more you know, a motor racing festival, and we're doing that in Sydney in particular with um, you know with our concert series that on the uh, Friday and the Saturday night, which we're looking to uh, launch very soon. Um, and you know, it's all about, as I said, it's all about the entertainment. With an event like this at Sandown, it's your first year of running this event, and with the history of Sandown, with the traditions of Sandown. This lends itself to becoming a, a huge focus of a historic support with the V8 supercars, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, Sandown's um, a fantastic uh, little venue, and it's unique because, um, you know, you don't really get these sort of venues so close to town anymore, um, and to be able to have that, and it's got the rail connection, it's got a lot of things going for it, um, it, it, it needs some work. It needs some, some money spent on it. Um, which we're working with the MRC, and if they can get those upgrades in place, then Sandown will have a, a, a long future uh, with us. You know, the, one of the upgrades that we've, we've needs to happen is, um, in particular, is um, getting um, the paddock right. Uh, currently, there's some uh, issues with workplace health and safety um, that we can't let people in behind the paddock so it needs some you know civil engineering works to occur to be able to get people back in and um, that's what we need to do because you know our sport's all about the fans you know touching and feeling the sport we're not formula one it's not a sterile environment where you know only the privileged few get into the paddock we're about getting our fans into the paddock and um, you know when you look at um uh, coming off Townsville, the amount of people that pre-purchased tickets for the paddock there was um, unbelievable. And, and that shows how important that is. So to come to a venue where that can't occur, um, I've got, we've got a problem with it. So, um, But we're working with the MRC. They are being very proactive. 
Um, look, they're looking to um, secure the funding uh, and uh, get their board approval and um, for the upgrades. And if they can do that, then you know we're happy to um, stay here, you know, and, and have a long future here. Is locking circuits in for the ten-year period, like you've done with Phillip Island, like you've got contracts in place with Clipsall and with with Darwin and all those places? How critical is that to the operation of Air Supercars so you can start building events and building uh, a bit like Manasco? You know you go to Daytona every February. You know you go to Indianapolis every August or last week of July, early week of August. How, how important is those sort of key milestones so every event then can have its prestige even if it's a part of a championship? Yeah, I think it is very important and it's something that we're um, certainly attuned to um, because people, um, you know, if you, tradition, tradition in sport is, is very important. Um, you know, it's like Bathurst, you know when it's on, uh, every year it's on the same date and, and, and people can book, you know, book and schedule their holidays and, you know, their family activities around that. Um, Clipsal, you know, uh, uh, those, those sorts of dates, people need to be able to, um, you know, to plan when what events they're going to do, and um, so you know, I think to have uh, you know, events locked down, um, so people know what time of the year they're on, and, and it's all getting these events. You know, it's all about getting, trying to get them some rhythm in when they occur, um, and it's and of course getting them in the right weather patterns and those sorts of things because you know, uh, and that's why you know uh, Townsville, you know that date of having it that time of the year with the great weather patterns. Um, you know, timed with school holidays and, and that sort of thing. That that just um, helps you know helps everybody to um, to be able to attend the event. We've seen this year, unfortunately, a couple of times where we talk about times and events. We're not always on Eastern Standard Time, and and we did see in Darwin where we had a hiccup between Eastern and Central Standard Time. Is is that something that now you in your role as operating officer you're looking at, or is that handled by the technical department when you come to running the race? Um, yeah, no. Uh, obviously, any any uh, yeah, it's it's handled at a lot of times. You know, at, at, a, at a board level when um, when the events are scheduled, they look, you know, obviously you look into the um, you know the timing of it with our, with our operations department, etc. But the board signs off on the final schedule. Uh, of events but you know the timings and that are taken into account but you know it, there's a lot of things to consider um, on when a, you know, when a, an event is um, is scheduled and a lot of the time you know when you've got government etc you know putting lots of money into these and it t- takes big money um, to put on the the large scale um, events. They've got certain criteria at certain times of the year where you know um, economic benefit is required, and um, so you know you, there's consideration of that, as considering not not conflicting with you know other um, key um, event dates and those sorts of things. Um, so, but um, you know I think we've we're the, the calendar that um, will be launched for um, 2010, uh, there's an enormous amount of work goes into it, but I think um, yeah, it, it'll, it'll have some rhythm to it, and um, yeah, we, I think it'll it'll work well. Timings. We've talked a lot about events in this interview, but you are now the chief operating officer. So, what other aspects of the Supercars uh, management did you actually pick up? 
Um, my role um, is really I have a, 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 an overseeing role um, across all aspects um, of, of the sport uh, and be involved in, in that. And, um, you know, obviously as um, you know, Tony's um, to, to IC with his current role as, um, you know, uh, as executive chairman, um, so I'll be supporting him um, with, uh, with, you know, with all aspects of, the, of, uh, of our sport. And if I could touch on, you talk about your seven years with V8 Supercars, but I'm led to believe that your motorsport passion goes right back a lot further than seven years and you raced and, and uh, I think family members raced as well. Yeah, I um, was born into a motorsport family. Um, my father raced sports cars. Um, you know, I remember you know, going to race meetings in the um, in the Valiant station wagon. You know, with my brother in the bassinet in the back, and the you know the back of the wagon loaded up with tyres and things. And um, you know, back going back to uh, uh, I went, attended the the first or the last two Longfords. Um, so I'm showing my age. Um, but that was they were great, great days, you know, and uh, great camaraderie, and um, you know the friendships that are struck. Um, that my father, he, you know, he was racing with uh, Ross Ambrose and um, John Goss, and all those, you know, sports cars were a pretty big deal back then. And uh, and then he uh, he, had a, he raced a, a car called the um, Melita Monza, which was an old special. Um, uh, and as you know, the specials were, were, were you know, bits and pieces dragged from everywhere to form a, a car. So he raced that. It was a very interesting car. He then had a Lola Climax uh, sports car, which is a beautiful little car. And so then, um, as soon as I was old enough to drive, um, you know, we were in, he uh, put me into a Formula 3. And, um, you know, I raced that for a while in Formula 2. And then... Um, even had a bit of a dabble with sidecars and things, but uh, must have been uh, crazy. But um, yeah, so it's 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 in my it's in my blood. Um, you know, I absolutely love it. And to uh, now have the role that I have, um, you know, I couldn't be happier. Um, so I, I was, um, yeah, yeah. Sometimes you just got to pinch yourself. And so yeah, uh, with 20 years, I've been sort of involved. You know, from you know really. Um, Got involved with Indy in the early years, um, in, on the engineering side, and, and um, uh, John Howe was with Weathered Howe. He brought me on board, and I looked after the um, project management of, of that venue for 13, 13 years, and uh, and then Tony brought me across um, into uh, Supercar, which I've been there for about seven years, and uh, yeah, so it's it's been a great. A, a great, some great experiences, and uh, some, you know some great people. So um, yeah, I'm very happy with you know my current position. Do you think that having that grounding, having been brought up in a motor racing family, and and progressing through as you did, gives you a better appreciation when you have to make decisions and you have to? Do you think about the legacy of motorsport in Australia as you're making your decisions and trying to make sure that you meet? You know, you, you, you're not going wildly off in tangents, and or you're able to bring other people back to the reality of the motorsport business. 
Uh, to be honest, I just think it gives you good grounding, you know. I mean, the, the people in our championship, uh, you know, world's best practice in, you know, in, in our teams, in our sport, and, uh, you know, we've got, uh, you know, people like Mark Scaife now as an independent on the board, um, his knowledge and experience, and, uh, you know, you look at the, our team owners, you know, uh, that have been in there for, you know, they've been there for years and years, you know. I, I remember watching uh, Gary Rogers race and, and that uh, at places like Baskerville and um, they've just got, you know, so much experience at a high level. Um, so, you know, uh, it's good, you know, that they've got great vision um, for it and I'm there to, um, you know, to help them deliver that, that, that vision. For Sandown, your first V8 Supercar promoted event here, what do you tick the boxes and say this is a success? Yeah, uh, well, I think um, at the end of the day, um, it, it is a, it is a success um, for for us. Um, you know, we've got a, we've got a good crowd turned out in you know not the world's best weather, um, so it shows how strong our our fan base is. Um, you know, we've we've looked at implementing um, some you know developing the family zones and that sort of thing so there's more here for for kids we've given people better value for money because if you buy a grandstand seat you've got the pit pit walk plus you know we opened up the area which was normally a corporate area underneath for you know a restaurant a cash restaurant and bar area for fans so for the people that bought a, uh, a grandstand seat so you know you start to look at the value add that we're giving the patrons here um, and I think it, it's never been better and our focus is totally on um, you know really giving the fan a great experience and a constant experience across all of our events. Well, it's been a pleasure to catch up with you and all the best in the new role. Okay, thanks very much. Certainly it's interesting to hear in depth what some of the movers and shakers in the series have to say. As the checker flag waves over this, VN Insiders Extra. As the checker flag waves over this, V8 Insiders Extra. Keep smiling and bye for now. Join us next week for more V8 Insiders, only on v8x.com.au.